0: Welcome to the Creative Industry Insight Podcast, a podcast that looks at various roles in the creative world. I'm your host, Bobby. Today's guest, Will Merrick, one of the writers and directors from Missing, joins us to talk about their work on the film. Please be warned, there are heavy spoilers in this episode. Furthermore, please note, this episode was recorded in February before the release of the film was pushed in the UK. So sit back and relax as we jump into the conversation with Will.
1: I think you have an actor in the UK with my same exact name. No,
0: that that's correct. The first person I, when I when I Googled it because I wanted to look yeah. at to do some research. It came up with that guy, and I was a bit like, "That looks different from the profile <laughs> pic on the uh, on your Gmail." So I was like, "Hmm, this is a bit weird." But then you do a bit of digging. But I think we were int- born
1: within a couple of days of each other as well. <laughs>
0: but if it's any if it's any consolation. You're Will Merrick number one on IMDb. He's Will Merrick number two. Wow! So
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're here to talk about Missing, not about uh, Will Merrick, the double ganger of yours. Missing is um is the follow up to 2018 film called Searching. Not necessarily a direct sequel, more of a spiritual sequel, we would say. And I'm really, yeah, I'm really, ha- really excited to sort of dive into it. Whilst I kind of do like to start the question with, start the episode with, how have you found the response in the U.S. and are you excited to see how it comes out, how it plays out in other countries?
1: Uh, The response so far in the U.S. has been really great. I I think the box office has been pretty decent and it just recently got certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, which I know everybody who worked on it's really excited about. So, uh, I mean, overall, just seeing seeing people give it mostly positive reviews and more than anything sitting in the theater and hearing people react and and gasp and you know laugh at the jokes uh has been really really fun so i've enjoyed the response a lot
0: have you ever tried to sneak into sort of viewings just to see what the general public's like be like okay
1: yeah i've done it i did it uh opening weekend with the producers, the editors, our composer, we all kind of got a back row of a theater together and sort of hit out and listened in. I might do it again before it's all over. It's really fun to do that with your own movie. Just go and see it in the theater.
0: Okay. Question is, what would be the response be if you heard somebody like go boo or something was <laughs> just a bit, bit miss where you like, oof.
1: I can't remember, this didn't happen at that screening, but I do remember sometimes watching and hearing people sort of laugh at something that you didn't mean as a joke, which is kind of funny. I think that happened in this movie uh, during our sort of test screening phase, which was lucky for us because you hear that laugh and you think, okay, maybe we need to change something. (laughs) So I'd watched it with an audience a few times before it was even released in theaters, so I kind of knew what to expect
0: and it was mostly good. that's really cool to hear and also having that idea of sort of like sneaking in and Mm -hmm. having the unassumed audience there and not understanding that there's uh like the creators are there um but let's take a step back because it was yourself and nicholas d johnson who are the directors and then both of you also had a hand in writing it along with sev and hopefully i haven't missed anybody else out
1: anish and sev wrote a treatment together yeah yeah and then nick and i developed that
0: and and wrote the script so i think to give some audience background as well you guys were the editors on the uh for on the on searching how did the project come about and what made you want to move from the edit suite to the director's chair
1: yeah i mean i think uh searching started we we started working on it in i think 2016 and it came out in 2018 it was a tiny tiny movie they got into sundance and then it sold to sony and then sony gave it an international release and i think it just m- was a lot more profitable really than anyone expected is why from a studio perspective they wanted to make a follow up uh and then uh, nick and i i mean i think we consider ourselves filmmakers first and foremost over any role like editor or writer or director and uh the Anish, who directed the first movie, did not want to be pigeonholed as Mr. Computer Screen Movie Director, you know. And so so him and Sev and Natalie decided they were, when the studio showed interest in making a sequel, that they were interested as long as Nick and I would come on to direct it. And I, I think a lot of that's because creatively we were used to working in the whole computer screen visual language. We were very involved with that in the first one. And uh, also, uh, to be honest, some sometimes just technically, we we knew how to do, we knew a, a workflow that is really, really probably singular to this movie in searching.
0: All of it happens on screen, but there's basically when they're going through a webcam I can imagine as well like the building that world can be quite complicated because it's not just capturing the performances of the actors but it's also the actions that they're performing on their phones and on the screens um and creating a world uh via that way and having that uh visual language to express what the story is and the technology they're they're using but whilst also writing the film with a treatment it's sort of goes through the film beat by beat but then when you're writing it you're kind of fleshing out those ideas how different did you want like how did you go about making it different from searching so that when you have uh the numerous twists and the, the zigzagging of the story how did you go about it to make sure that it's just not the same but with a different title
1: yeah i think anish and Sev, who made the treatment need a big shout out for that i think they're really good at they're good at understanding what the audience is going to expect and subverting that. So as far as the twists and turns, I think a lot of times when creating a beat, they would look at what Searching did in that moment and then do kind of the opposite. But also just inverting the, the parent-child dynamic, having this, this movie be the story of a of a kid looking for her mom, it is totally just really different from the dad. Like all the jokes on the first one were about how you know John Cho doesn't know what a Tumblr is, and then in this movie, you know it, it's uh, it it moves a lot faster because she's a kid and she knows all this stuff, and and she's just zooming along trying to find her mom. So that gives you kind of a different style.
0: As you said, you didn't know what tumbler is, and then on this film, the mum played by Nia Long does you know it's like hey Siri, call cool, yeah uh, call cool yeah. June, and then it Face Times her, and it's quite it <laughs> does feel. Smart joke because you know parents are like that. You know your parents are. How does this work? How am I holding this camera up here? And it's like, actually, no, it should be here. Or, you know, you're zoomed in on, on your eyebrows or something along those lines. But what I want to know as well is um, during the whole development of the this, of this story, a lot of technology has changed in terms of you have the cameras on your doorbells. There's also the idea of just not just webcam, but like the Snapchat idea, live photos coming into play. Are these sort of things that you started taking in consideration every time you did a new draft of the script? And do you ever feel that as well, that in a weird way that you've made like not a period piece film, but a film that's kind of etched in that sort of time?
1: That's a that's a really good question. Um, We definitely as we were working, we would incorporate new things as they came out. The, The whole production of this movie kind of took place while TikTok was starting to emerge. So there were some scenes we shot for YouTube that we that we later cropped and turned vertical and turned into TikToks because we wanted TikTok in the movie. The webcam had already kind of happened by the time the script came out. But really, kind of crazy to think about how this movie is going to age. And some people have sort of pointed out that to us almost as as if it might be a bad thing that you know when people watch this in ten or twenty years, it's going to look nothing like their lives. But I I love that it's a perfect little snapshot of how we live life at this moment in time and it's interesting to look at searching because that was 2018 and st- and already things have started to drift so I think maybe it'll go through a little awkward age in about three to five years from now but I think in 20 30 years it's going to be truly fascinating to watch this movie.
0: I think people are slightly wrong by saying that I think it's a little bit unfair because I think it, it kind of I don't not to get too deep, but it feels like it is a reflection on ourselves because stuff like TikTok, I'm not sure how long a video is, but it's so quick, especially with our attention span is with getting in with watching videos and listening to clips uh, and whatnot. But then also, it's such a good story element to have those things because it can be that quick snapshot of giving that information to the audiences. So like when you find out about when you find out, sorry about Grace, the mum, uh, that there's a secret past, and the way that that information and exposition is put onto you as an audience member is through these TikToks, and understand and creating that sympathy for for June because her mum's still missing, but people think there's just more to it, and it's really it is a really clever way and, and quick way to get across what what she is feeling and what is happening at that moment in time
1: if you need to get some exposition across it's really really quick and it's also it also can be interesting because you've got an unreliable narrator i guess situation where who do you trust like this random person on twitter you know saying something about your mom and it's very hard for june to sit there and you know watch all this stuff get dished out online
0: a hundred percent and especially with bad enough that you have that feeling that you're they're, she's so helpless in what's happening. And then just on top of that, people just pile on and give, not necessarily, well, I wouldn't, they, they try to pass their opinion as fact and make it sound like it's that something it's is, is wrong has happened, uh, which feels very much like what's happening today with uh, various, uh, various things. But going to the whole shooting process, because you understood how to shoot the film, having the experience of searching. What it was like directing those scenes, right? And how do you let scenes play out when it's shot through a webcam or through an iPhone? And how do you communicate uh, to the actors to get the performance that you want?
1: It's tricky because everybody on set kind of has to relearn their craft in a lot of ways. And kind of one of the one of the biggest things that affected us is on set, when we are monitoring the camera, uh because we do this punch in thing in the movie where we'll punch in on a very specific part of the frame you you can't monitor that in advance you'll we'll just be seeing a wide shot of what we're filming so so a lot of times you know it'll be an actor is just this tiny little figure in the frame and the whole crew and and all the actors on set have to see this and we're promising them no i i promise in the final movie we're going to be punching in so deep on this shot that it'll be a completely different shot so You have to kind of use, everybody has to use a lot more imagination to envision what the final movie will be. You can't just say this is the shot we're getting. And as far as the actors, I think the hardest part for them is, is they're rarely truly acting across from their scene partner. Usually they're acting into just a blank computer screen, uh, which is really hard for them. And I think we just have a lot of, you know, conversations about here's exactly what you're doing. And if they were in a FaceTime conversation with another, you know, actor in the movie, we did whenever possible actually have that actor come in for the day, even when they weren't going to appear on camera at all and just hide in another room and read into a little earpiece so that even though they weren't in the room with their scene partner, they were able to have a real life exchange with them. And uh, all the actors were really generous with their time to make that happen. And I think you really feel it in the movie. That is why I think you feel a lot of chemistry between some of the main relationships in the movie.
0: Yeah, because I can I can imagine if you're just like now, I'm pretty much I know I'm talking to you through a screen and Mm -hmm. it kind of feels that way as well. That if if we didn't have that sort of video link, it would be quite difficult to uh, to be quite difficult to communicate.
1: Yeah, they would just be reading opposite a random person. You know, the somebody on set would be reading across from them, which can't is nowhere close to you know reading across from the actual person playing that role.
0: Yeah, and you could also get that real time reaction of characters of what's happening to them. But I can imagine as well being quite tough at times if you are looking at a screen and even though you know how things are playing out it's also that just adding those little touches of your of their reaction and what's happening uh in the sc- not in the screen but as in what's happening to them during the film yeah. but then also when you're shooting it and saying that oh don't worry we'll you'll be pushed back in that must be difficult as well to work with a product designer or a cinematographer or even the sound guy to that there's so much yeah. is being shown on the screen but at the same time so much is being shown on the screen that there's so much for people to do to make sure that whatever's on the screen comes to life and it, it looks like lived in
1: we had we had I mean if you look at some of our raw dailies there'll be a light in the frame or just a little microphone stuck into the frame I like what you said about the sound guy because he had to hide hide mics all over the set sometimes because we'd be in this big wide shot and you would just be on set and you'd look down on the floor and there would be a little mic mounted to a bass play right? just down on the floor. Every, yeah, everybody had to truly get creative and communicate a lot because, like you said, when you look at that monitor, it's not what you're going to see in the final movie.
0: Like, you could start playing a game with the sound guy of, like, where he's hitting the mic.
1: Yeah, where's and the then mic? If, like, where's Waldo?
0: Yeah, where's the mic today? But then it's also, if you're having a private conversation somewhere, he's probably hidden it somewhere and you're like, oh... I wish we didn't do that there now. I just um, never say anything on
1: set that you would the world.
0: <laughs> Always listening. Going as well, Where I mentioned earlier about a story zig you're thinking it's gonna zig, but then it zags. Because this does feel this does feel different to searching in terms of while searching felt very very unique in terms of this is the first time we're seeing something like this, but with missing not to repeat it. Um, you wanted to it feels like there's certain moments in a film where you hit the beats of oh I know who the person's done this I know who's done that and then you completely flip the story on its head to then make it unravel so then as an audience member you're more on the edge of your seat because you you don't know you think you know what's happening but you don't know so when you're creating these moments I guess from paper to screen to the final product how is it that you want to uh, keep the audience member engaged on, on the edge of the seat and are there moments where you're thinking that this this idea might be slightly outlandish or do you carefully plan how you're going to plant this idea in so like for example the live photo idea
1: yeah yeah i think there's a lot there i think the um i mean this movie is just loaded with twists and turns and you never know What's going to happen? And I think we, you know, a lot of those came from way back in the treatment, kind of the idea is let's do searching, but make it just way crazier. And I think in coming up with the, the, the turns of, of the story, there's a lot of kind of asking what, what bias would the audience have, or would would the main character have that might cause you to make an assumption that was false. I think to me, that's when the, the twists are at their best, is when they reveal something about the way you see the world that maybe you could potentially be wrong about, and that would lead you to make a wrong assumption. But in terms of actually dialing in each beat, like the live photo, like you said, uh, we do a, a testing process separate from the studio test screening process where we bring in friends and family, and we sort of workshop the twists with them, and we we ask you know questions like, was this out of nowhere? Was this too outlandish? Was this, you know, did you feel this was, uh, if you didn't see it coming, were you, did you almost feel sort of scammed that you didn't see it coming? Was it not, you know, in there enough before you saw it? And and because because of the way the movie's told, almost like an animated movie in some ways, we can always make adjustments and dial those things in so that so that at least we've seen it with an audience a few times and know how it's going to land
0: with because with these workshop ideas are there times where there's certain things that you've put in a film that some people have said is quite outlandish because one one that comes to mind slightly is the idea of um finding out that who you think is Grace is actually a someone who thinks they're in a um reality show so when you kind of have that idea it felt like it came slightly out of nowhere but once you have that idea and plant that Kevin is is uh, a fraudster it kind of starts making sense were there other ideas that you were workshopping where you thought this was really good but then somebody thought wow this is a bit a bit too much or slightly out of the um slightly out of the realms of possibility
1: i mean the the story the story that we're telling is definitely kind of a an unusual kidnapping story because i think We just wanted to tell something that, you know, you go to the movies, you want to see something crazy. And, and, but as far as like, as far as I'd say, we did a lot of logic games. There's, there's a, there's like a lot of times making this movie feels like solving a math problem almost where you're trying to figure out how would, how do you get from here to there plot wise? Like how, how would a certain character know that a certain thing was happening? Like why would they be where they were there's a lot of there's a lot of plot engineering that went into something like this yeah i think that so maybe you know if you get that wrong things can feel outlandish or if you get it right sometimes they can feel outlandish in a in a cool way or in a way where you're caught off guard at first like you said and then things start to make sense as you connect the dice the dots uh, ideally i guess you think something you know, when when you get to the reveal of what actually is going on, everything makes a whole lot more sense than you than you thought it did when it all comes together.
0: Yeah, and you're right in terms of when you're connecting the dots and things do start making sense in terms of like, oh, this happens here, this happens there, and then it all leads to the big reveal at the end. So I will put a spoiler warning before the um before this episode of. That James, so June's father is actually still alive, and he's kind of orchestrated the whole affair.
1: Oh, we're going there. We're going there. Okay,
0: cool. <laughs> I think we should. I think we should. <laughs> you know, right, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, there'll be a spoiler warning. it's Spoiler not a problem. warning for everybody. Yeah. Um, okay,
1: cool.
0: I didn't realize that was coming. I thought it was. I think there was a point where you you knew something was up when. Found out about Kevin going to uh, see a priest and trying to reform because you think they they were very open about it. They're very trusting, and they just something didn't seem just right. But you kind of went along with it because there's that authority figure of of a, of a priest who would be able to change someone or have that bring that shame, to, make the person who's committed something bad realize the shame of their actions, but. That sort of edge on, but again, as mentioned, the edge of the seat, finding out that there's so much more to what's happened. And then when you find out it's James and you think, oh, he's alive, um, I do I all need to read more up about this, but I felt in a way that it felt like James might come in and save the day and not actually be the monster that he, it turned out he was, especially with the plant at the beginning where you have the nosebleed and you think, oh man, he, he must have had like brain cancer or you know a tumor on his head or something or something really bad happened to him for him to to pass away and then it's actually he was a complete monster
1: i love that you said that because that's kind of what i was getting at with the bias thing where where yeah the dream is that you're kind of seeing this movie through june's eyes and and you know she has this idealized version of the father she never had that grace actually deliberately was was feeding into because she wanted june to believe she had a good father and yeah i think in that scene that you're talking about where he shows up part of the goal is to to make you think that that maybe maybe june's mom was just this crazy controlling person like june thinks at the beginning of the movie but it turns out there was a reason for all her actions Uh, that's what we're going for with the cat and everything and actually if you uh if you look in that call with the priest that cat is uh behind right behind her during that call As was a little shout out to the fact that he is her dad
0: <laughs> oh okay well, i think this um that's another <laughs> thing to, to like uh, little, keep an eye, yeah. eye out it's like an easter egg um in yeah, a way there's a lot of that it kind of uh segues nicely to my next question about because there is a massive visual language of the film and there is there is a lot of blink in your miss moments some some are more obvious like at the beginning where you have the sort of netflix show of searching uh, and then they're showing the oh real life image the dramatization image but then there's also i think there's also another easter egg this is uh, from searching and missing about an alien invasion that's been planted in um it feels like that's like an in joke but when you're having all of this sort of uh, all of this information that's visually appearing on screen where there are specific cuts and things where you want the audience to see but then also you don't want them to see because then it's also it helps them on repeat viewings to keep an eye out more and more to see if they can find more clues and piece it together where do you begin with these ideas and how do you go about thinking about where to put them in and where it would be so where to put them in and when at the right time to show them on the screen. Uh,
1: on the one hand, there's the story related little details that we do want you to see. Those are one thing that we'll usually try to draw attention to somewhere or other. But in a, in a funny way, the Easter egg, the, the Easter egginess of this movie is a unintended consequence of just the fact that you have to fill so much text on the screen. So you might as well have fun with it. And on Searching, um, Sev Ohanian was the big uh, the big person behind the alien thing. He had us add several sort of shout outs to the fact that during this movie, which is just about a dad looking for his missing daughter, totally unrelated to anything, aliens are invading the Earth. <laughs> and um, and so, yeah, we continue that in this uh, as well. And in this one, it's almost a full three act plot structure of an alien invasion turned superhero movie almost. And there's, there's some uh, call outs to it that last literally one frame. So that is something that the goal is that most viewers never will catch it. But, you know, so we put that one always where your eye is not going to be, but, but for the people who really like that sort of thing. And I think all of us as filmmakers are, are kind of those people ourselves is it's there. If you want to do a deep dive Um, You don't have to, but, you know, you can go learn the story of how the story of the aliens progresses in this movie.
0: Well, that could then create another sort of subgenre in the missing and searching universe going for that sort of found footage screen uh, alien invasion. Um... It's
1: funny, you would think it's a tiny detail, but, but whenever we've been on the Internet or anything gets announced or the trailer drops... There's always a Reddit or YouTube comment going, I wonder if they're going to keep doing the alien thing. Like people, it must be a a small but vocal group of big fans of the first movie really know that it's there.
0: I think it's one of those things though, isn't it? That will stand out with multiple viewings. And there's always, you have, because you're going to pull, if, if people go through a film forensically or they're doing articles, they will pause it on those frames to see See those blink and you miss it moments. I think spoiling spoiler for searching. Like when you see the photo of the police officer and the convict all together, you, as you said, you have that bias. So your eyes follow what you're seeing on screen, hoping to find what you think is the clues, but actually is hidden there in plain sight.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like that in all the old. I mean, we're you know we're just doing what those kind of detective movies, Sherlock type things have always done, which is you know. Oh my god! I totally would have missed that. I'm glad the main character of this movie is a genius who <laughs> was able to catch it. It's kind of fun to, yeah. You look for the clues and then you still, hopefully, you know, you're still surprised.
0: Yes, and I think this film does deliver it. I think I saw one of the reactions with a UK critic where they said that searching was a surprise edge of your seat thriller, and then they said missing is gives you that exact same feeling, but with not uh, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but they repeated what they said about how that missing was that surprise hit and that edge of your seat thriller, and it's it is, and it is one of those things where you should go see it with people just so that you can get their your reaction because then it's like a interactive. You're all sort of like, oh my gosh, we should. but You're following along. Um, it's so fun to
1: watch with people. It's such a good movie for a group or a theater or or even just a group of people at home because it's got. It's just so, you know, you wouldn't think so because it's told on computers. So people tend to think I should watch it on my computer. But there's a a lot of fun in seeing those images up on a big screen that you never thought you would see on a big screen. And then reacting to things, looking around with people, you know, you could nudge your neighbor and point out, oh, my God, look, that thing over there. Like, could that mean something? So it's it's really fun to watch with people.
0: There is something as well um, that popped up that I'm curious about. Maybe this was just more for the fun. But when you see the dramatization of June's story and Grace's story on Netflix, it says season three rather than season two. Now, is that just a little a little fun by, fun with you guys that you've put that in? Or is there a third slash second installment? Not second installment. A third installment, but second uh, story-wise that will be coming
1: up one and a half the the next one will take place in between the uh i don't think so i I think we just made it that because we didn't want the story of david and margot kim to be the the pilot of of this fictional and fiction show we just wanted it to be another another entry into there we didn't want those to mirror the movies themselves perfectly so i guess we'll we'll never know maybe unfiction covered the aliens and then went on to cover (laughs) david and margot yeah
0: yeah exactly and then you could have that'd be quite fun thing so you could have like
1: maybe they covered run the the other movie our team worked on called run they (laughs) have a true crime story about that i don't know that could be be that second series
0: yeah Uh, yeah Uh, just to wrap things up i do have a couple of questions left what was your favorite easter egg to insert into the film and what was your favorite scene to shoot
1: so favorite easter egg is oh man i don't i don't want to give too much away and this is not going to be i mean probably the aliens if we're talking big big picture but on the home video version only because we weren't able to get it in time for the theatrical one uh there's a little uh scavenger hunt you can actually do if you go into um when June downloads the guy's messenger, the little secret messenger based on signal. Uh, I, I won't say too much more than that, but there's a little bit of a, of an inside the movie scavenger hunt that <laughs> that one could do. And as far as scenes, man, I don't know what to say. I think shooting in Colombia with uh, Joaquim Dalmaido who plays Javi, was just really fun. We were all in this one hotel. The Colombian crew was incredible and Joaquim is just a a. A really fun person to work with. He's very, very prepared and also just really always got a good wisecrack. And <laughs> and we were in Colombia. It was just, I don't know, shoot, shooting with him in Colombia was really, really fun.
0: It seemed like he brought a lot of energy to the film as well with pushing mm-hmm. forward and not just his character, but he added to that sense of urgency of, oh, you need to go to A to B very quickly and um, make sure that you're get there in time to be able to get to gather the evidence. I do have another question that you've just mentioned because you've shot the film, in, I'm guessing in the US and then in Colombia um, yeah. or vice versa. What was that like jumping, moving from one country to another and change, Like, how did that, it wouldn't have changed the way that you shot but the, logistically and the ideas and how you're going to do it probably changed as well.
1: It was interesting because... Yeah, we wrapped principal production in the U.S. And then uh, less than a week later, we're shooting in Colombia. And the only overlap was uh, 10 or 15 of our uh, crew from L.A. flew down there. And then otherwise, we had a totally new crew. But I mean, we prepared. It, it's a similar process because we prepared everything pretty thoroughly in advance. And the the Colombian crew was incredible. I think they have a lot of film production down there right now, I think, but just the company we were working with, and all the people were, were really good. And, um and they handled a lot of it. I think the trickiest part was probably that we were shooting at a time when the vaccine had become available in the US, but was not yet available in Colombia, So we had to be very, very careful COVID wise. And there were even national mandated lockdowns at that time. On Saturday, there was a lockdown at noon. So they were they were extremely extremely secure at that time i guess and it did cause troubles with production but as far as production goes i mean it's crazy to meet all these new people and and suddenly be working with them but i think if you're doing it right in most cases you're you're going to have done most of the communication before you show up on set so did it the same way we did in the us
0: that's cool that's nice as well to hear about other crews so when when you kind of branch out to other countries and just having jumping in and people just being like yeah we're, we're ready to work wow we're...
1: our uh, our dp and first ad both speak spanish pretty well which was huge and which was part of the reason we chose them to work with because we knew there would be a language barrier there i took it in you know high school and college and then just forgot okay. everything so i was that that idiot who didn't Know how to speak in Spanish.
0: <laughs> Were you just awkwardly standing where well like, like, was? like yep. translated.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yep. So, what did he say? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we can shoot here, right? No? Oh, okay. There's moving on.
1: Of guilt. I felt a little bad sometimes. I mean, I'm talking to the production designer, you know, and she has to try to talk to me in English, and I'm in Colombia. I feel there's a little bit of guilt you feel where you're like, I'm so sorry. That- <laughs> I didn't do better at learning this language, but they, I mean, they were all really, they were a great crew.
0: No, It's it's really good to hear. And then just to wrap it up as well, as my final question, we were talking about this off air previous, uh, before we started the rollout for the film is being staggered amongst other countries. And you, you said to me that because it's going to other countries, the text on the screen needs to be translated to whatever the native language is for where the film's being shown. Firstly, that blew my mind because that is something that just I didn't really think of taking consideration because usually you'd just have a film that's either dubbed or has uh, subtitles on in the language that's been shown in. Does that idea yeah. process play into what you're making or is this something that the studio takes care of?
1: Yeah, it's it's uh it's crazy process. It's called localization like you said. Normally it's dubs, subtitles, which you know, this movie will be dubbed and subtitled for the dialogue, but but a far bigger task in this case is just translating every line of text you see on the computer screen. And we do actually translate every line of text. And that is 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 handled I mean it's handled separately from the production. So the studio contracts it out separately. But they basically just come back to us and go, <laughs> how can we do it? And that's where Basilev's, which was a production company on the first uh, movie, Searching, is, and also on this one, uh, is handling it. It was actually Nick and I who developed the process used to localize Searching back in the day. So we actually headed up that process because we were so intimately familiar with the project. And we don't scrub and replace the text. They They actually receive it, uh, our original project files, um, After Effects project files, and, um, and and then go in and create a, a template, basically, that then a translator can um, type into a, a Google Doc or an Excel Doc what their translations are, and then you can import them into After Effects. And that's just the beginning. After that, there's an incredibly massive QC effort that has to be done but it's it's kind of a crazy part of this movie you don't really think about and and you know a really extensive amount of work has to be done too, for every language that, that it's seen in and I'm, I, just... I, I'm really glad that happens because i uh, otherwise you know it's not the same it truly isn't the same viewing experience as you would have you know you can't you can't just dub the dialogue and call it a day because half the fun of this movie is letting your eye wander, you know and just seeing every little comment every little uh you know post on instagram or, or whatever the character's seeing
0: it still blows my mind that somebody has to go through it and then all the different sort of, uh languages and people that need to come in i always think as well it just popped into my mind as well is like if they're if they're translating if they get the translation like slightly wrong or if they translate something that gives away the plot too much that must be something that does that some is that something that might play on your mind or is it it's just a source that just... of
1: anxiety for me, but it's kind of, I guess it falls into just accept the things you can't control. I, <laughs> I know the people uh, working on it this time were very, you know, they're looking out for that stuff. And they've called out sometimes that it happened. They called out, they've had a hard time because our main character is June and the movie takes place in the month of June. So the fact every now and then they catch something like that gives me comfort that we're doing our best
0: that's good to hear um they
1: actually told us some ways they found some ways we could have improved our workflow the localization team found a lot of potential improvements to our workflow that i really uh kind of was kicking myself <laughs> once i heard because <laughs> it could have made our lives a lot easier
0: what sort of workflows would you say what, what did they uh, try render
1: it? mostly render improvements we, we had, our renders would take a really long time and they figured out a way to do it much faster just crazy faster. The more you know, I guess, too late now for us. Maybe maybe on Searching 3.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it's one of those things, isn't it, sometimes where if you're so close to the project and then somebody else comes in and they can just be like, oh, by the way, you could just do this. And you think, man, I wish I knew this earlier. Wow,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> where were you six months ago, eh? <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: Will, thank you very much for your time today. Missing is out on the 24th of February, um, but it's out now in the US and it's... Uh, Being slowly rolled out worldwide i should change that to not being slowly it's being rolled out worldwide and i encourage people to go see it it's a very good film and uh supports it thank you bobby no problem you take care and thank you again bye-bye thank you for listening please subscribe rate and review this podcast